Welcome back to another episode of Ordinary Celebrity. And if this is your very first one that you'll be listening to today, you're in for a special treat. Uh, Before we get going today, back in March of 2021, we interviewed Jeremy Woodall. He is the campus minister of the University of Arkansas at Monticello, a great friend of mine, actually a former student. And he was fresh off of a hike that previous fall where he completed a hike with the Washita Trail over 200 miles in benefit of the Arkansas Baptist Children's Home. I wanted to make you aware that he is preparing to do a different hike this fall, this coming November. You can find the link to that hike in the show notes, or you can visit ArkansasFamilies.org and find a link there. But he's preparing to do another hike for another benefit of Arkansas Baptist Children and Family Ministries. Jeremy was recently presented with the Spirit Award at the University of Arkansas at Monticello for making a significant difference on that campus. And this is just one of the ways that Jeremy continues to impact that state and our world. So the whole theme of Ordinary Celebrity is finding ordinary people who are living lives worth celebrating. That's literally what the word celebrity means, worth celebrating. Also along the way, I hope to find a few of people who have achieved celebrity and identify some beautiful things about their ordinary that are also worth celebrating. It's a wonderful way to draw people together and understand what is worth celebrating about one another, especially in today's contentious world. On this episode of Ordinary Celebrity, I'm really excited to get to interview a former boss. Uh, He's retired now, and you're going to get to meet him in just a moment. I don't know how many people would say that uh, they want to have their former boss on their podcast, but David James is one of my life heroes. I'm excited about you getting to meet him and understand about the influence he's had on college students and collegiate ministry literally around the world. Let's dive in together today. David, you are my former supervisor, my former boss. You have become a very, very dear friend. Um, I first met you sometime, I think, in 1995. I was getting ready to graduate seminary and uh, ran into you at Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary in Fort Worth. You and some of the others were there interviewing possibilities uh, for campus ministers in Arkansas, and I was at the time serving at a church in Dallas area. Um, But met you and was really intrigued, and one thing led to another, and ended up getting to work for you and for Arkansas Baptist State Convention for eight years. Uh, So let's kind of start things with why, what were you looking for in that uh, particular outing at uh, Southwestern Fort Worth that particular season? Well, somebody that could take us from one century to the next. <laughs> so you were with us from uh, one century to the next. That's true. And so That's true. I'm thankful for that. You know, we we did a lot of interviewing at Southwestern, and I did too. And I would come different than the staff, but then I would come with the staff when they came. And we always served a meal. And so generally for me, I was looking to meet and, and also the rest of the staff. We really wanted Arkansas people to come back to Arkansas. Mm. Now that sounds a little narrow at times, but that's a good thing too. And so I, I wanted to meet and know all of the Arkansas people that were there. And I wasn't necessarily looking for a campus minister. And I, I was looking for someone who had a heart for God, 
had a heart for students and somebody that was familiar with Arkansas and would love Arkansas Mm. because Arkansas Baptist State Convention involved much more than just simply a local campus. It represented all 1500 churches. Mm. And so we had kind of an interesting perspective there. And so that's what I was looking for. And, uh, and that's when I met Carolyn. (laughs) (laughs) That's so true. I know I've been riding on her coattails all these years. Mm -hmm. I just know it. Right. You were the Arkansas Baptist collegiate team leader, and your responsibility was to facilitate college ministry across the state on four year, full four-year campuses and also on some of the community college campuses and the two different Baptist college campuses. Um, so that was a pretty wide responsibility. Uh, how, how did you come into that role and how long did you serve in that role? And then we'll kind of get into some thoughts that you've had since retirement. Yeah, well, it, you know, it was interesting. It's been 32 years that I served there and four years since I've retired. So it's kind of a picture I can back up and look at some things. But I, I loved um, college ministry and I loved BCM in particular. Uh, I was on a campus in East Central uh, Oklahoma called East Central State College. Very creative thing. And so it was really fun to be there. And But it was a great campus for me. My mother had done graduate work there. Um, My sister was there as a student when I started. Um, My summer prior to going to East Central, uh, I met at Falls Creek, which is the Oklahoma youth camp that is just an amazing experience, still is. Mm. Um, And there were a bunch of BCMers from, and by that, at that time, it's BSU. Uh, So BSU uh, student leaders from East Central that were there for one night. And so my sister and her, introduced me to a couple of these young men and they just kind of took me under their wing and they basically said we're glad you're coming you're going to be one of us you're going to be a leader and they just I mean from day one it was kind of like I was sitting at the table and didn't deserve to be there and that's where I was brought into the you know the the group and learned lots of things, but we prayed of all things, you know? So we just prayed for God to do mighty things. And I learned that others were doing the same thing. So I didn't have any better sense than to know that's what BCM was. That's how you do college ministry is you find somebody that's younger than you are, you invest in them. And uh, so I had a call this week from another freshman who I invested in. It's a senior at East Central. And it was just really amazing because we're dear friends now. He's a CPA. He's a president of a board of a a major uh, um, group that reached his persecuted church. And so I I love that guy and I trust him. He's CPA, so I count on him for advice, but more than just finances. You know, we're just friends and we talk and we share. And, but all that started as a college student. So when uh, I moved out of college, I went to seminary, the state director in Oklahoma said, hey, if you um, get your seminary degree, then call me and I'll have a place for you to serve. Well, that doesn't happen today, hmm. but it did back then. And so I called him one day and said, hey, I think I want to go in college ministry. He said, well, as soon as you graduate, you call me. But in December, before I graduated, he called me and I was at my wife's home in Oklahoma City. I don't know how he got her number, but that's where we were. So he called me and he said, I want you to go to NEO. 
And I go, great, that sounds super. I'm so excited about going there. So I went into the other room and, and told Peggy that, hey, Bob wants us to go to NEO. And we were so excited about that. And then she stopped and she said, where's NEO? <laughs> and so I go, I don't know. <laughs> but it's a community college that's a four-year, not a four-year, but a two-year community college that's located in northeast Oklahoma. And uh, so at northeastern Oklahoma A&M, Norseman. So I became a Norseman and didn't even know where it was. Uh, when he took us there in view of a call, it was really fun because I um, – we got to Tulsa and then I saw the sign that said it's 72 miles to Miami. Well, I thought Tulsa was the end of Oklahoma, but it's not. And so my world was expanding even in those days in a massive way. But those two years were one of the best things that happened to me because I learned how to maximize the sophomore. And it was unreal. Our freshmen did great things, but our sophomores just matured and developed. And I find in a four-year campus, a lot of times we let the sophomore who is just really available and able and teachable and even uh has maybe more time and energy um we miss that a lot of time mm. so i learned that and learned the value of freshman ministry which i knew from personal experience but we we saw massive things happen there then moved to tulsa spent a year there in the tulsa metro and then went to oklahoma baptist and spent four years there loved that uh, I, I didn't really like the Baptist campus because I was at a state campus and I knew some of the ministry students on the Baptist campus and I didn't like the way they acted a lot of times. And yeah. so, but I met my wife from there and some good friends that I have are from there. So, you know, you get on the inside of it and you have to apologize and repent because good things happen on Baptist campuses. And, uh, and I love that. Now it's not perfect, but it is a great place to reach the world. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but I couldn't get the state campus out of my life. Mm-hmm. I knew that um, if I packed my bags and left, that somebody would take my place pretty quickly. But the state campus was just really important to me. So uh, Bob told the state the state exec in uh, Arkansas about me, and he called me, and I went over. And long story short, uh, I said yes. Didn't want to say yes. Didn't think I would say yes. Thought maybe I could help them find somebody but it was me that God was trying to woo into that world. And I stayed here 32 years, uh, loved it, got to meet people like you. And uh, we had some incredible times. And your period was an amazing time. There's, there are two or three times where we were pretty much fully staffed and we just had some incredible people. And while you were there, that was one of those times. Mm-hmm. And we just had some incredible campus ministers mm-hmm. doing a great job. We always had that, but not always a full house and, and just good chemistry among everybody. And so I, I think God did some incredible things during that time. And it, it was it was just a fun time. Yeah, how old were you when you began as the state director in Arkansas? I was 36. 36. Um, what what were some things that you learned over the course of 30 years of serving? Of like the kind of campus ministers you were looking for initially? Did, did that change any? Or what are some things you learned about who to look for? Who would be... Is it always just hit or miss from the standpoint of like who's going to be there for longevity purposes? Or... I mean, give us some insight about how you hired, because my experience was, you know, some of my very best friends I met as campus minister of other campuses there in Arkansas. And it was as a direct result of your influence of bringing on such quality 
people and quality families that uh, we were able to make those connections. That's not a simple answer, but the simple answer to it is in working with college students, I was looking for a person of character um, that knew what they believed and they acted on what they believed and they were skilled in what they did. That's what I was looking for. So when I became the state director, that's what I kept looking for. And so when, when we started looking for leaders on the college campus, we wanted to develop young men and women full of character. And we wanted to train them, equip them, but we wanted, we wanted them to be skilled in what they did. Uh, and that would be the same thing. So the evaluation, and when you were at Arkansas and you were a campus minister at the top of the uh, sheet that we would talk about who we are and the goals that we have, it would say that we are people of commitment, conviction, character, and competency. Now that came directly from a very important meeting with the president of the BCM at Oklahoma Baptist in the back of the McDonald's restaurant drinking coffee. And so, you know, but your character is kind of an upside down triangle. And so for me, that that is always important is that people of character are held up because of what they believe and what they do. And what I find is a lot of college students said they believe something and they did something different. When I got to work with college campus ministers, I found that some of them said something and didn't always follow up with it. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's true in my life, even today, a lot of times. So to keep my character strong, mm-hmm. I have to know what I believe and I have to be able to act on that mm-hmm. uh, because action is a vital part of what we do. We don't believe that salvation is by works, but if you don't believe in works, then you don't believe scripture. Mm-hmm. And so the issue here is that it's both and. It's what do we believe? Mm-hmm. Who are we? And what do we do? And so that, that was learned when I was in Miami, Oklahoma, and developed the principles. But when I was at Oklahoma Baptist, I, I knew we, I needed to increase in the area of the excellence, the competency, uh, doing things and doing it better. So not just as a, uh, a theory, but as a person and my character. I wanted to do things better, mm-hmm. and I wanted to be better for Christ uh, so that I could do more. And so that became critical in what we were doing. And I began to watch people who were uh, excellent in what they did. And I saw how they could influence a lost world. That became a driving force. So uh, Jeff, that's what I was looking for. And I found that in you, uh, saw that in you. And so that's what I was looking for with campus ministers. And you said something, not just campus ministers, but you said, and their families. And you know that for Peggy and I, if, if it wasn't for the wives and the spouses, and we had some singles. So we, you know, we know that you can live life in a holy way and not be married, but boy, we were looking for families. We wanted godly families to impact students on the campuses of Arkansas. The recruitment was young campus ministers. It was not necessarily looking for experience. Now. A lot of people would say that's one of the downfalls is that we didn't have the experienced people. But what I would say is we didn't have the salary for experienced people. So we, we were hiring what we could. <laughs> so I, I, I've always said we were a farm team. Wow. And so I love that. And I celebrated that because yeah. I felt like that where you are today is an incredible incredible way to say that we were able to invest in your life and we right. see you investing now and and so really arkansas camps ministers are literally all over the world today right. after 30 years that's what excites me mm-hmm. so david uh 
think being a state campus director is a lot like herding cats, I would imagine. So you, you had an overarching vision, like uh, as, a, as a facilitating college ministry across the state, obviously you want to see evangelism being done. You want to see people becoming followers of Jesus. You want to see discipleship. You want to facilitate missions. And then, of course, you want to undergird fellowship, and you want to see really healthy uh, campus ministries relationally. How, how did you communicate your vision so effectively? And yet, I, from my perspective, I felt this amazing freedom to like, like our, our vision statement at Monticello was to magnify God as life's ultimate joy. And I never felt this micromanaging, uh, heavy-handed approach to supervision from you. But yet, it was very clear that you had an idea of where you wanted to see Arkansas campus ministries going and what you wanted them to be doing. How, how did you manage the various personalities, but yet giving them freedom to use their gifts? Not very well. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think you love what you do. Mm-hmm. So, and, and you know that they're not perfect and you know that they may not do everything you want them to do but you want them to be who they are in Christ. And so Jeff, I think you don't remember this, I'm sure, but I remember it because it helped shape me a little bit. Hmm. Uh, we were driving on the way to Monticello. We were somewhere between uh, uh, Little Rock and Pine Bluff. And on that way, we stopped and saw uh, Jimmy Schultz. Hmm. And so you and Carolyn were in their car. Carolyn was in the back seat. You were in the front seat. And as we were driving, you, you said something that, I don't even remember exactly what you said, but basically you said, if I come here, are you going to cut my wings? <laughs> you know, and so what I said to you was, I may say no to you, but mm-hmm. my goal is to never say no to your vision. Mm-hmm. And so I think a part of the deal is, I, I think your vision, if God has given you a vision, then I think we can trust that and we need to empower that. And it has to fit in the scope of who we are. So I made that very clear on the front end of who we are, what we're trying to accomplish. But you nailed it. I mean, everything you said a while ago is what we had to do. Discipleship, evangelism, missions, fellowship. I mean, you nailed it. That's what we do. But the other end of that is the vision to accomplish that was unique and distinctive by every campus minister. And you had the freedom to do that. What did you see your role primarily as in relationship to campus ministers? Did you see it as a uh, leader of leaders? Did you see it as an encourager, uh, as a coach? Uh, And probably all of the above, depending on the seasons, but um, when you approach things, I I feel like you were successful in being very hands-off, and yet at the same time, all of us always knew that you were a phone call away, ready to pray with us, ready to encourage us, ready to share scripture, ready to correct us if necessary. Uh, but what, I mean, what, how did you see your, your own role in relationship to all of these different campus ministers? Yeah, I, I, I think that, I think I was a shepherd, um, leader of leaders is what we were trying to hire always. Uh, that term was a term that I knew maybe, but I, we brought it in to Arkansas that we wanted to develop leaders of leaders. And um, so that was a part of it, how we do that. 
uh, it's different with everybody. So basically, uh, for me, Jeff, it was always number one, who's on the other side of the phone. And then number two is what's the issue that you're facing today. So I, I think what happens a lot of times is we sometimes as a, a state director or whatever, we feel like we've got to accomplish my goal, my vision. And uh, then I say, well, the exec has a vision. The associate exec has a vision. I have a vision. So where's your vision? Well, there's not room for your vision if everybody's got a vision. So how do we elevate your vision and what God's doing in your life? That, that was one of the things that I felt like when I was on the phone, that God had called you to be there. He gifted you. Mm -hmm. So I saw you not as a person I was supervising, but I saw you as uh, an, you know, a servant where we serve together and how can I help you accomplish what God's called you to do. Mm. And uh, every day it became a little different because you had to face something pretty much different every day. So just needed to be kind of ready for whatever was coming down the pike your way and try to help and serve you. You know, I can't, I wish I had a tally for all of the times that you and I might've had a conversation where you would say something along the lines of, I was just reading this morning, or I just read this week, let me share this with you. I always felt like, uh, Tear Screen, I think it was, wrote a song called Fresh Bread. Uh, yeah. And I always yeah. felt like I was getting fresh bread from you. Like, uh, it just come out of the oven, it was still warm, uh, you'd already spent time with the Lord, and what you were, you had received, you found a way to pass it on and always seemed to be so appropriate and so timely. Well, I've just learned that what I have to say is really not that important, but what God says, if, if I want to make a eternal difference in people's lives, then I can use eternal words and that's his word. So it's just, and it's amazing how relevant what he gives me every day has been to my day. And so, you know, it's, it, it's as though he knows what's going to happen during my day. <laughs> Well, tell me from a practical perspective, you said something earlier in our conversation, which I'm like, I never had that experience. I never thought about that. But you said something being on a, on a community college campus, you had to learn to do ministry in a compressed amount of time. So you saw sophomores differently uh, than you might, than other campus ministers would look at juniors or seniors. And so I'm in a academic community now with Virginia Tech and very familiar that most of the campus ministries, you know, they put a lot of eggs in the baskets of juniors, but especially of seniors. And I do think that it's pretty typical that they overlook the potential yeah. of their sophomores and younger students. So from that perspective, building on that, what are some things that you would say to campus ministers today with a wealth and a lifetime of, of reflecting on campus ministry, leading campus ministry and facilitating it. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the time at NEO was, was just a real learning time. So I would say every element of my life has been a learning time. So I think being a lifelong learner, you're, you're pastor. Uh, you're the pastor, but one of your pastors and shepherds of your church is Daryl Cook. Well, Daryl always talked about being a lifelong learner. Mm -hmm. And and by the way, I think I've learned more from you guys than you'll ever learn from me. Mm -hmm. But there's two or three other things, I guess, that are critical for uh, long-term campus ministry and for ministry, period. 
that are are huge and it is a daily walk you've got to you got to have time along with God. You got to be faithful to your family. You got to be able to balance, but also center. A lot of people talk about talk about how balanced we need to be, but I think we have to be centered and balanced. You know, we've got to have an axle. That's what comes when we have that daily walk, that daily communion, and then we become balanced with our family, with our work, with our ministry, our children, on and on. There's just so many things that we do. So, what do we do? And then, can we do it well? You know, how, how can we do things better uh, and never lose sight of evangelism? Anything else that you would tell a campus minister today attempting to do ministry in this? I don't know that it's a new culture, but it, it feels like it sometimes. Um, but new days on academic campuses. What are what are a couple of things that you would encourage campus ministers with? Yeah, I, I don't. You may not know this, but I am right now the interim at Little Rock BCM. So I, I think number one is I still believe in this generation. Uh, you know, when I retired, I kept trying to figure out what's what's my job. Well, it's still the next generation, and so that's what I'm committed to. I'm not walking away from that. Uh, but I think we just need to know and love who we work with, and the collegiate world is a a great place for us to impact the whole world. So just don't lose sight of where you are and what you're doing and and love those students. Uh, the other thing is just keep empowering students to do the work. Uh, I found that discipleship for me, the best kind of discipleship is action and uh, activity oriented. How do we help students grow and love them and nurture them and, and I really believe it's in the midst of action. And so we got to be right in there with them, get our hands and feet dirty, right? Mm-hmm. So you have an opportunity to speak to uh, churches or pastors right now. How, how would you encourage a church to minister to college students? Um, we're, we see that happen here in Blackbird because of Virginia Tech. Um, and so often I'll hear even people in my congregation say things like, well, they're just college students and still have the mantra sometimes of well, college students don't give, which is not true. Some of our college students give more than our families do. Um, but what are what would be some things from your observation experience that you'd encourage the local church uh, in college ministry with? Yeah. Uh- I am really committed to local church. That's why I did denominational work with college ministry is I think it's, it's directly connected to a church. And when I say a church, it's the church of Southern Baptist in Arkansas, but it is a church because all of our campus ministers join a church. We encourage students to join a church. We have decided not to be a church. Now it doesn't mean we could not be a church. Um, you did a great job in Monticello of doing a church plant and out of that church plant three incredible leaders and that's not including you which makes it four but three incredible leaders have been developed out of that church plant that are in different places around the world and they're making a difference in the world and it's because of you and your willingness to do that so churches can invest in uh, leaders and help them be a part of the leadership level Um, as you uh, as a church invest in them 
and get them involved, then they're going to invest. And it may not be back to your church sometimes, but they're going to invest in the world. The collegiate world is not necessarily a immediate payback. And that's where we know that we're investing in the kingdom. And so, so one way is bring in some alumni, let them come back and talk about how much the church meant to them. Let them talk about, uh, what the campus meant to them. I think the, the alumni world can tell us a lot of the value because, uh, for instance, uh, what's happening at the uh, BCM, uh, Virginia Tech, and their alumni ministry is huge. And those alumni are involved in a local church. And many of them were at North Star when they were at uh, Blacksburg. So, you know, some of those stories periodically, new people come into your church, you, you might sell it and get it all figured out. And then all of a sudden, next year, you got a bunch of new people and you have to train them again. So the church has to keep training people that the value of the next generation is preparing for God's future. And so it's the kingdom. So Ordinary Celebrity, uh, you are definitely someone worth celebrating, not just for me, but for a host of other people who have worked with you, but have also had the joy and the privilege of calling you their boss. Um, you have had such an impact, not just on students' lives, but on ministry lives. And um, I, I look around and I see guys in ministry today who were at UAM, but then I realized that I was at UAM because of how God worked in your life to bring me to UAM to be a campus minister. And I can't even begin to imagine exponentially just the pleasure you have on days of looking around and seeing who God has where and what God is doing just because of your yieldedness. And so thank you, thank you for being yielded to the Lord all these years and investing in college students. Sometimes I'll tell people, don't call them college students uh, because we see them as a demographic yeah. instead of just as, as the image of God. Right. Um, but thank you, David, for your investment in the kingdom in this niche of life and season of life that has produced so much fruit in Arkansas, but literally around the world. It means so much to me, but I think I can speak for hundreds and hundreds and thousands of other people the impact you've had on their lives. So thank you for that. You, well, you're kind, you're kind. And there's no greater joy than to see you and others that are doing what you're doing and others are doing. It just doesn't get better than that because we're all in together and we're just trying to get to the ends of the earth. Mm -hmm. So we've got people out of both our ministries that are at the ends of the earth, but uh, we need people at home too in Jerusalem and so Blacksburg seems to be Jerusalem for you it's feeling more and more like it every day it really does yeah, I love it well, thank you, well love you thank you for letting me be a part of this once again thank you so much for listening to Ordinary Celebrity I really enjoyed interviewing David and I hope it was an encouragement to you don't forget to drop by the website ordinarycelebrity.us it'll take you to my anchor.fm page you can see the show notes there, and you'll also be able to get a link for Jeremy's upcoming hike just next month in November, a hike for homes. Let me give you three things that you can do to help encourage creativity here at Ordinary Celebrity and in some other creative venues. Uh, so first of all, if you could share the podcast with family and friends that you feel like would really enjoy this. 
I believe in the heart and the mission behind Ordinary Celebrity. I love the thought of celebrating ordinary people, but also finding people who might have celebrity identifying the things that are ordinary about them and celebrating them as well. The second thing that you can do is I use anchor.fm to host this podcast. On the website there, you're going to be able to leave audio comments for future podcasts. I love that. It's a fantastic way to incorporate feedback from my listeners into future podcasts. And so I really encourage you to take a visit and uh, leave your thoughts, comments, ideas, even for future interviews. Hope you have a great week. Looking forward to hearing from you. And thank you so much for your support.